The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. GC can't take a hint. He was so bored with my voice note imitation that even he switched off. On to our Africa Business Report and a focus this evening on Zimbabwe. Uh, Lo Nell is a senior political analyst at Oxford Economics Africa. Why are you zoning us in tonight on Zimbabwe, Lo? Good evening, Bruce. Um, and it's interesting we should speak on October 21st because October 21st is anti-sanctions day. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this day. I am not familiar with it, but thank you for drawing my attention to it. It's um, celebrated predominantly in Zimbabwe. It was a day of, or it is a day of solidarity designated by SADC and focuses on Western sanctions that have been imposed on Zimbabwe in response to human rights violations and, of course, the rather disastrous land reform policies that were introduced by the late Robert Mugabe. Um, And so today is that day. It's celebrated annually um, and accompanied by a call by by static member states for sanctions to be lifted on Zimbabwe. Right. Okay. so that's the reason we're zoning in on it. I mean, the sanctions are there for a purpose. The sanctions are to get human rights violations dealt with. They're there to draw attention uh, to those human rights violations. And of course, uh, I don't know whether sanctions have had done any good whatsoever. Sanctions certainly brought apartheid to its knees. Has it done any good whatsoever in Zimbabwe? Well, no, it's been absolutely ruinous. And that's one of the reasons why... why, um so where African countries try and bring this, this, this issue to people's attention annually. Um, we saw it most recently at the UN General Assembly. It was brought up by the AU chair, by the SADC chair, and Cyril Mokosa brought up the issue of Zimbabwe when he met with, with Joe Biden in the bilateral prior to the General Assembly. Um, the effect is ruinous. It's supposed to be targeted sanctions, but ultimately it has, it has terrible effect on the economy. Um, you know, being being frozen off from capital markets and from global financial institutions will bring any country to its knees. And so I think you'll, you'll probably not be surprised to to know that our forecast for the year for Zimbabwe is is, is pretty grim. Um, we're, we're forecasting a, a 2.6% expansion of real GDP for the year. Um, but of course, all of this is taking place within the context of 200% interest rates. Inflation last month came in at a staggering 280%. And some of the biggest challenge, of course, is, the, is, is with the, the currency. The local dollar is, is practically worthless. Um, everyone is trying to hang on to U.S. dollars, but the U.S. dollars, the currency people have in their hands are literally falling apart. And then the, the most recent attempt to bring up this 22-carat coin um, is, is also proving to be, to be a dud because ultimately it's just so expensive to acquire. Uh, I mean, the... Inflation problem is Zimbabwe's had a per- an inflation problem for what the better part of the last fifteen years, and it then led to hyperinflation, of course. And I've got, I think it's a hundred trillion dollar note uh, on my desk to remind me occasionally when I do have a moment to look up just what happens when when economic policy goes awry. Um, they're sitting with inflation at two hundred and eighty percent. They've got interest rates at two hundred percent. I mean, this is a on a hiding to nothing. There is no way in which you can run a sustainable economy effectively like this. How is the Zimbabwe government trying to get around this particular problem? Yes, the 22-carat coin was a bit of a shot in the dark. It was never going to work. Have they got any sort of firm ideas as to how to get themselves out of this mess that they find themselves in? Well, it's, it's a bigger problem than that for Zona PF, of course, because next year Zimbabwe goes for general elections in the middle of next year. And... Um, well, I think we say this with every every round of elections that there's a very real possibility of them of them losing that election. Um, 
it's a different question altogether whether or not they'll allow themselves to lose that election. Um, but yeah, um, your socioeconomic conditions are always central um, to the question um, of of whether or not people are going to trust on a PF. Well, some people are going to trust on a PF with a, with another five years. Um, in terms of in terms of real solutions, um, if you if you follow the government spokesperson, you'll you'll be tweeting about. Um, about developments taking place every day. You'll talk about um, Chinese companies investing and opening mines and, and, and building power plants and things of that nature. Um, everything needs to be taken with a pinch of salt, of course. Um, they, they, obviously, they have benefited from the commodities boom, from, from minerals, um, but it just obviously hasn't been enough to, to counteract the, the ruinous effect of, of being frozen out of the global, global economy. Um, and there was a, a very strange announcement that... Um, um, President Mnangagwa made at a ZANU-PF rally two weeks ago, where he said that they had, through his, his brother, Paul Kagame, the president of Zambia, of, of, of um, Rwanda, and that they had secured hundreds of millions of dollars of investment in rural electrification. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, but, but <laughs> no detail, of course, um, and very, very suspicious language saying, you know, had secured financing via my brother, um, it is a model that was rolled out in Rwanda to much success. Um, and so the suggestion that it might work in Zimbabwe might be exciting, but where the money is supposed to come from, and no one in their right mind is willing to, to invest in Zimbabwe and to lend the money is, is another question altogether. So it could also just be pre-election bluster. What is the state of political opposition in Zimbabwe at the moment? Um, well, the Nelson Chamisa, of course, is heading the, the Coalition for Change, the Triple C. Previously, they were the MDCA until earlier this year after such a prolonged battle over the MDC name. They decided to just chuck it and just rebrand as the Triple C, very yellow livery, um, terrific, terrific yellow T-shirts and hats and flags. Um, as popular as the MDC was in the past, um, they recognized the official opposition the same way there was never any confusion about who the MDC was. But... The, the amount of violence being directed at the Triple C at the moment is, is really concerning. Of course, at the foundation of these sanctions, only last week, um, Jasmine Zoffer, which is an opposition MP from, from Bulawayo, and several Triple C activists were brutally assaulted on the campaign trail. They broke both their hands. You know, and this is, a, this, is a, this is a lawmaker, this is a member of parliament. At the same time, there's two other members of parliament, Job Sekala and Gokhe um, Sitole, who have now been in pre-trial detention for more than 130 days. They're part of what they call the the Nyatsimi 16, um, with 16 um, Triple C supporters who were arrested after ZANU-PF thugs had attacked a memorial service for one of their activists who had been murdered the month before. And instead, they were arrested, and they found themselves in high-security prison, more than 130 days, which has now become very regular in Zimbabwe, this detention um, situation. And so... To be a political activist and to be an opposition activist in Zimbabwe today is as dangerous as it's ever been. And then I, I, I'll say, I wonder then what option the rest of the world has got in this really hostile political environment uh, than to pursue sanctions. I know we'd be nice to not have sanctions and to get the economy moving and to get um, Zimbabwe back on track economically, but can the Western world legitimately abandon sanctions when there is political repression to the extent that still exists within Zimbabwe? I think not. And, and the sanction list that was updated recently by the U.S. is, is, is a sign of that. And 11 names got scrapped off the list, but the, the deputy police commissioner of the, the very infamous ZRP, the, the Zimbabwean Republic Police, was added to that list. 
as an indication that, you know, there's still these senior officials, both military, police and, and political, who are still very much active in, in this political um, suppression. Um, and so the West doesn't have too many options here. And you can't really blame them for, for maintaining the sanctions and feeling feeling that there's no reason to, to lift them, no matter how much pressure is being applied by by, by SADA countries and by, by African countries. No justification for it. Um, and, you know, more recently we, we saw, you know, someone as 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 prominent as, um, I'm trying to remember her name now, um, the, the very, very um, celebrated um, writer from Zimbabwe who was last year shortlisted for the Booker Prize. Oh, Titi Dangaremba. She was, was charged with public disorder. She had a protest, two-person protest. She and a friend were walking around with signs and they were prosecuted and were found guilty for inciting violence. That sort of nonsense is, is not going to get you out of, the, out of the quagmire. That sort of nonsense is never going to get you into anyone's good grace. So Zimbabwe, unfortunately, then remains on a hiding to nothing until there are proper free and democratic elections. And in the current political environment, it doesn't seem that likely that the next elections are going to be particularly free, particularly democratic or particularly fair. Um, is that a, a, a fair assessment of the way in which you see it as an analyst of Zimbabwe of many years? Yes, I'm afraid there's little reason for optimism there either. Um, there's no reason to believe that it's going to be free and fair. Certainly, you know, we're, we're what, eight, nine months out and already the violence is at the level that it is at the moment. Um, Interesting developments are within ZANU-PF itself. There's a lot of divisions within ZANU-PF, and, and Emerson Mungagwa is, um, is is going to be the flag bearer next year. But there were talks that uh, that there was a deal when the coup took place in 2018 that the, the vice president, who was then the leader, the head of the military, was going to take over, and that Mungagwa was only going to do the one term. That hasn't been the case, and so he's going to be the flag bearer again. But there is some unhappiness, and some individuals who believe that he's not the person to take the party forward, and so. The opposition, perhaps, there's not an awful lot they can do, but perhaps uh, the, the hope lies in, in ZANU-PF itself falling apart and, 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 and tearing itself apart and, and ending the regime itself. Um, although we do know from, from experience, as we saw with the end of the Rapa-Pungabe era, that um, they, they do find a way to, to, to get their act together at the right time in order to avoid electoral defeat. Well, the, the vested interests are so big and so vast and so intricately interwoven with the fabric of Zimbabwe over the last 30 years. It, it just, and I don't know what breaks this other than sanctions, as in as tragic and as catastrophic as it is for ordinary people. How else do you get regime change? Well, it's interesting you should say that because you just start off by saying that, you know, these sanctions have been in place for 15 years. It's been past 20 years, and it's not an awful lot to show for it other than misery for, for ordinary Zimbabwe. True, true, true. And, and so, it, it, you know, with, with so many of these countries, it, it, it begs the question, it's like, what is rock bottom? And ultimately, in order to, to make things change, and I'm afraid I don't have any answer to that question. No. Thank you, Lonell, Senior Political Analyst at Oxford Economics Africa. Fascinating insights into the tragedy of Zimbabwe, which lurches from crisis to crisis. That in interest rates are 200%, inflation are 280%. And um, the attempts to sort of superficially deal with the economic crisis that they face don't work. It's absolutely apparent that they're not working. And do the people of Zimbabwe really have a choice next time they go to the elections? I, I don't know if they do. I don't know it well enough. Your, your insights and inputs would be valuable.